This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and this evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Very busy day today. We do not know if we are going to have Jeff Stein. We might have Jeff Stein, our national presidential expert, but it will not be at 335 this afternoon, probably in the 4 o'clock hour if we do talk with him. Just FYI. A lot to get to right away. We're welcoming back Congressman Paul Hodes, who served two terms in the United States Congress uh, for uh, New Hampshire's 2nd Congressional District. He began his legal career in New Hampshire as an assistant attorney general. He was part of the show uh, not about a little more than a week ago. The, the Beyond Politics podcast is what he hosts along with Matt Robeson. Now we've got the congressman by himself here today to give us a wrap-up of what exactly happened in New Hampshire yesterday. Congressman, thank you very much. Always, I appreciate the time. Matt, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Okay, so first of all, um, I, I guess overall, how do you, you know, let's, I guess we'll start with Trump and the Republicans. You, you know, I've got some serious thoughts on this. What, what did you see last night? You know, I, as a, as a, as a loyal progressive Democrat, I'm delighted with what happened in the Republican primary. I am delighted because we're probably going to get to run against a pig and a crooked thug, a misogynist. I mean, uh, an out of his mind guy who can't remember what Nikki, whether Nikki Haley is Nancy Pelosi or who the, who the heck she is. Um, but now as to the results, what I think that if you look at Iowa and New Hampshire and you put aside the standard media narrative of Trump winning, what you see is a guy with extraordinary weakness coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Look at New Hampshire. So New Hampshire uh, is, is more like the general electorate than Iowa was. You've got a large body of independents and undeclared. And everybody was saying, OK, that's Nikki's hope that the independents come out in throngs and uh, put her over the top with Trump. So she lost by, I don't know, 10 or 11 points. The polls going into the primary day showed a much bigger gap. So in the last day or two, she made up a huge, uh, a huge amount on what the polls were saying. And if you flip the narrative and look at Trump, you'd say, okay, he couldn't get beyond 52, 53%. Yeah. Um, and that's MAGA Republicans uh, going strongly for him, but a percentage of MAGA Republicans still not going for him, and independent voters going big time for somebody else, anybody else, Nikki Haley. So you look ahead to contests where there may be more independents, and you say, okay, general election. He wins his MAGA base. Okay, they're with him forever, even if he shoots somebody on Fifth Avenue, even if he calls out the seals on Joe Biden. I mean, whatever, fine. But in a general election where you've got independents, uh, they're not going to vote for him. Uh, The Democrats are now hitting uh, uh, women's reproductive rights strongly. Women, 
not going to go for him as as in in droves. And if we go back to Iowa, he underperformed in suburbs in Iowa. So you've got suburbs and women who aren't going to go for Trump. So overall, kudos to Nikki Haley for mm. being scrappy. I mean, look, she's she's Trump in a skirt. Okay, her <laughs> policies Trump in a skirt, but 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 she's not insane. So people are saying, okay. Maybe the, we can save the Republican Party if we choose somebody whose who's, who's policies are crazy, but she's not crazy. So all in all, good for Nikki Haley, and we'll see what her donors do. They may, the big donors who don't want Trump, the, the, the slightly older-fashioned Republican uh, conservative donors, maybe they're going to keep her in the race for a while. Maybe that's why he went so postal on her with oh. his temper tantrums. Well, okay, so this brings up a question I want to get your opinion on, and that is, okay, so DeSantis bails on this race two days ago. You know, right. and, and, I, and I'm, I'm now, now we both know most of DeSantis' supporters did not go for Nikki Haley. They went for Trump. And I almost wonder, first of all, if DeSantis was still in this race, I wonder if Trump would have won, period, because it's not hard to imagine DeSantis would have gotten 12 points uh, in that race. He would have picked up uh, some some real number, and I do think that it would then have been um, at least much closer, and he may not, uh, Trump may not have won. And, I mean, look at DeSantis. Trump goes after him. He calls his wife all kinds of names. He gives he gives DeSantis a, a crazy nickname. He he just hammers the the, the you know what out of out of the DeSantis family. And DeSantis turns around and licks his boots. I mean, the, the Republicans are are they're off the reservation. Okay, the cult of Trump has turned Republicans into jelly brains. I mean, they're like jelly donuts for brains. It's really it's 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 nutball time in america 95 percent of the delegates have been uh allocated uh basically it's a 54 to 43 i said if it was within 15 that would be trouble this is within 12 um it, yeah it, it, i almost do wonder if trump's team saw this coming saw they could lose new hampshire it's one of the reasons why trump is going nuts right now and basically pulled DeSantis aside said what do you want and my guess is there's going to be, if he gets into office, there'll be a, a cabinet position for DeSantis. But I, I think you have to look at, this is this is not a fresh-faced candidate. This is, it's not an incumbent, I'll be the first to say that it's not Biden, but it's pseudo-incumbency. And 50% in Iowa was garbage. He should have been up about 80%. Here he is, you know, this is, once again, it's, it's down to just two people and... 40 plus percent are looking at the other candidate and saying, I'd rather have them with the diehard Republicans. I, I just, I, this is, if you are, if you're a Republican, as you said, you started this off by saying, as a Democrat, I'm delighted and I am too. This is, this is pretty solid. But when you look at, if you're a Republican and you're looking at this, you've got to be scared to death because what you're seeing here is something that's playing out. And this is before we even get to abortion or any other issue like that, is that he's lost a third of his own party. And that means plus five, plus seven Republican seats. Those are not for granted for Republicans. And this could be a huge nightmare year for the Republican Party. It, it, it could be. And, uh, you know, 
I call them all kinds of names, and I and I'm and I'm just warming up on that because I'll come up with a whole lot more crazy things to call him. But above and beyond all the names I called him, he is a total loser. Nikki Haley said it best in her concession victory speech, which, by the way, that sure didn't sound like a concession speech to me. It, it sounded more like "Here we go, folks." But but she said. He lost, and he lost. You know, look at what happened in 2018. We lost. Look at what happened in 2020. He lost. Look at what happened in 2022. We lost. Looking ahead to 2024. I mean, if I was the Biden communications team, I would think that Nikki Haley's concession speech would make a wonderful advertisement for why not to vote for Donald Trump. She laid it out. Now, I know we've got a wheelchair race coming for president, right? I mean, that, that's, that, that's what we're in. I mean, you've got two old people who are running, and that is Biden's biggest, his biggest, his biggest weakness is his age. It's certainly not his record, and it's certainly not his values. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to work as hard as anybody. And one of the other good things that we now see is that the Biden team is ramping up. They've gotten the message that they've got to ramp up. They've made some changes in their campaign leadership. General Malley Dillon, who ran the 2020 campaign, is now come in in a sort of a guru position. And that's really, that's really good for the Democrats. She knows her business. And I think the Biden team is about to get really tough. Oh, well, and the UAW endorsement that came on down today, that's, that, that's you know, once again, you know, he's an older guy, understandable. But, you know, I think the way I said it before, at worst, Joe Biden is an Arby's beef and cheddar. Not the sandwich any of us want, but it still is edible food. But Donald Trump's actually a crap sandwich. Feces between two slices of bread. And that's not edible. And so they've got to, con- they've got to convince you that that is delicious while, uh, you know, it, uh, Joe Biden's un- inedible. The reality is, is the economy is starting to hum. And, and let's talk a little bit about the numbers you alluded to before. That abortion issue is still, they, the Republicans do not have any plan and this whole thing right now, they're all talking about national laws restricting abortion. That is so unpopular come the general election. There is just no way they're going to get away from it. And right now, that is still they have still got to figure out a way that they can try to win in the post row world. Yeah, you know, look, I think I, I mean, Biden is essentially on the attack now and he's on the attack about two main issues, women's reproductive rights, because remember, women vote yes. in larger numbers than men uh, generally, especially in presidential elections. Women vote. Women care about this issue. The women's reproductive rights issue cuts across party, um, even among people who are pro-life. Uh, in general, the idea that the government, you know, Republicans used to say, by the way, we're, we're for small government. And I used to say, yeah, you're for a government just small enough to fit into a woman's uterus. Um, and, and in general, what we mean is even people who are pro-life understand, keep your government hands off my body. It's my decision uh, even though I may not be pro- but what they call pro-life, um, we don't want government intrusion. So that's one big issue. Um, and the other is democracy. Oh, remember that. Democracy, what do you want? Democracy or dictatorship? You choose. <laughs> well, and, and the Republicans have chosen on this. That's the crazy thing. My, my wife says to me as I was running over the numbers with her, she goes, isn't it just the saddest thing that all this stuff has happened and he still has support? And... 
yesterday I made the point, I don't know if you saw this, he was at the polling place and he told the kid, your mom's hot. What, a few days after his wife buried her mother, he's flirting with women at the poll in public. And I said, that 30 years ago, that would have ended his campaign right there. It just is, it's, it is amazing how broken the Republican voters have become. He's a pig, okay? Yep. He's a pig. So, I mean, if maybe Biden ought to simply put a placard on the side of a pig and say, I'm going to debate the pig because it's like debating Trump. I mean, the guy's a total pig. In addition to being a crook, uh, he's a pig. So what do you got? And by the way, Joe Biden is not facing 91 felony indictments, okay? <laughs> he's not. Um and he's not going to be facing 91 felony indictments. And the pig and the thug who the Republicans seem to want to coronate because he re- must represent their values, he's facing 91 felony indictments. As a former prosecutor, if the odds are out of the 91, does anything stick? I'd say that's a lot of indictments. That, that is, I think we can both agree on that. I'll tell you what, Congressman, we're going to take a break here. I want to come back and talk about what happened on the Democratic side last night because, I mean, it, right now I think you are showing a true, you know, a true surrounding of Biden, that Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. Congressman uh, Paul Hodes, kind enough to join us today from the Beyond Politics podcast uh, from New Hampshire. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on your Wednesday. show on your wednesday post to a hampshire love day uh joining us once again right now is congressman paul hodes beyond politics is the podcast and we should mention congressman you can find that podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from correct you bet it's all over the internet and uh, you can find us uh, on the blue amp youtube channel Blue Amp YouTube channel, of course, that's our good friend Cliff Schechter. We just chatted with him yesterday. And uh, we should also, uh, Matt Robeson as well, your partner in crime on the podcast. You can catch you both there. Find the podcast, listen to the podcast. You'll be smarter. It's just the way you need to go. Now, let's go to the Democratic side. I have not ever seen a write-in campaign go as well as what Joe Biden did. Because yeah. th- this was this was pretty remarkable. I mean, he's at fifty five point eight listed, but they still have eleven thousand unprocessed write ins. Sure, there's going to be your standard Elmer Fuds and stuff in there, but the most of those, I imagine, are going to be JB. So, uh, you know, it's um, you know that that was that was very good work by the Democrats in New Hampshire. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm really proud of New Hampshire Democrats. I'm really proud because, look, the New Hampshire Democrats, in in the light in light of what the Democratic National Committee did in taking away the primary and giving it, could have folded up their tents and gotten all pissy and said, "Oh, we're not going to help," and "Oh, we're you know we're angry." and just gone home. But what did New Hampshire Democrats do? They did what New Hampshire Democrats do. They organize and they fight like hell. So there was a huge organized uh, write-in Biden effort. Um, Ads, television ads, newspaper ads, emails, volunteers, signs, rallies, um, we did we did we did good work because New Hampshire Democrats cared more about country than anything else. 
New Hampshire Democrats are patriotic, and New Hampshire Democrats knew that it was important to send a strong message to Democrats around the country that Joe Biden is the nominee, and we really need to rally around him. Two other people in the race, Dean Phillips, a congressman, whose issue apparently was uh, Joe Biden's too old. Okay, we know that a certain percentage of people think are concerned about Joe Biden's age. We know that, and the and the vote for Dean Phillips showed that. And the third candidate, Marianne Williamson, somebody I know really well because, okay, I'll admit it. I'll admit it on the air. I needed work. I ran her New Hampshire campaign for president in 20, uh, uh, 2020. Um, and I understand the disaster that is Mary Ann Williamson. Uh, I'm saving most of it for a book or a movie in terms of my observations. But let's just say that if, if, if Trump, well, no, I won't even go there. Let's just say I'm glad she got a very, very small percentage. New Hampshire voters did their job. The Biden campaign can look at this as a victory. I haven't seen any great thank yous, by the way, from the Biden campaign or the DNC for saying to New Hampshire Democrats, listen, we know we screwed you, but thanks anyway for being adults in the room, because that's what Democrats did. And the vote for Biden around 70% in a write-in, unprecedented, unprecedented. That's insane. And by the way, I call her Moonbeam, because I think that's appropriate, but that's my, my, my you know, much my, my thing. I call her Moonbeam. Uh, Dean Phillips is my congressman. I got redistricted mm-hmm. out. Uh, Ilhan Omar, I was in her district for a while. Now I'm in with right. Dean Phillips. We don't know what he's doing. No one here knows what he's doing. As a matter of fact, I would say that there is, even if he decided, you know what, I'm going to run, I'm going to go back off. He's not going to, he wouldn't win a primary. He'd lose in a mile. I, 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 this whole thing with him and the exact numbers for him are he got 19.6%. And once again, he lost to a write-in campaign where the, the candidate had to go in, the, the voter had to go in there and sit down with pen and paper and write on the write-in line. And he got trounced, basically three right. to one. Yet, I, I want to give Matt Robeson credit because the last time we talked, he brought up the point that what exactly happened. This morning, Trump wins by 11K and it's a decisive victory. You know, he's the anointed one, all these things. 11K. Joe Biden wins by 33K on a write-in candidate as a write-in candidate. And basically, the argument is, oh, well, look at the large chasm in the Democratic Party. I, I don't I think the people that keep writing these headlines keep thinking that a Dean Phillips or a Joe Manchin has mass appeal within the Democratic Party. And that's just a joke. They have appeal with the moderate Republicans. But they sh- I don't I don't know any Democrat who would say, oh, I'm going to go vote for Joe Manchin or Dean Phillips. The, the media ought to be ought to be saying Biden romps in write-in by 50 points over his closest rival without even setting a foot in New Hampshire. Not even, not setting a foot, not a finger, not a nose, not an ear, nothing. And and the DNC um, coming at us to, to, to tell us that we're meaningless and... I mean, and still, Biden wins by 50 points. What is the, and the media doesn't really report it. I have to say, this is the same uh, mainstream media which is getting the Trump, quote, victories, unquote, so wrong. They're not 
There just there are some rumblings about his weakness. The New York Times just put up an article saying yeah. uh, narrow victories in Iowa and New Hampshire basically show Trump's weakness. So they're beginning to do that. And if Nikki Haley and the Biden campaign keep on hammering away at the fact that the guy can't keep two thoughts in his head uh, for more than a second, um, as well as his other deficiencies, uh, we'll see that that weakness. But Biden came out of New Hampshire strong, and I think both the DNC and the Biden campaign owe an apology to New Hampshire. I understand why they did what they did. I don't agree with it. I understand it. But they ought to write a nice letter to New Hampshire Democrats saying, thank you. You've done such a great job for us. Thank you so much. Not that I expect we'll see that kind of graciousness I'll, from I'll, those parties. I'll make a call. I'll see if we can get that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, okay. If I'm not mistaken, what we are looking by at now is uh, the Democrats are up next with uh, both South Carolina and uh, Nevada. That's on February 3rd and February 6th. Nevada's for the Republicans, but is anyone on the ballot for Republicans in Nevada? I don't think so. I don't but think so I think, either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, uh, Nikki Haley just skipped right over it. She put all her horses into uh, New Hampshire. I think she skipped over Nevada. She's hoping that between now and the end of February, she can make up ground in South Carolina, where, frankly, she's got a challenge because the MAGA Republicans there, like MAGA Republicans elsewhere, want want the, the put the lipstick on the pig. So. Um, She's got, even though she loves South Carolina and was governor in South Carolina, she's got a formidable challenge there. Although, like New Hampshire, it is an open primary and uh, independents can vote uh, in the um, in the primary. So, you know, I think she's going to I think I think we're going to see her at least through South Carolina. Uh, Congressman Paul Hodes, once again, Beyond Politics is the podcast. Find that wherever you find your podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate the insight. Let's have you guys back on here sometime around South Carolina towards the end of February. We'll talk a little bit about that, how things are going down there, okay? Great. What a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing such a great job. Congressman, the pleasure is 1,000% mine. It's an absolute honor to chat with you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time today. Congressman Paul Hodes from New Hampshire, kind enough today to join us and talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. Jeff Stein will join us in the 4 o'clock hour to talk a little bit about that as well. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Good to have you here. Brett's here with us today. Uh, Brett, um, so first of all, I want to say I did the dance thing last night. Did you hear about this? I, my, my wife and I, independently of each other, over the holidays, gave each other dance lessons because we like dancing. I mean, we actually, one of the first first great uh, dates we ever had was we went dancing. There was an airport. It was a big thing with like the VFW and the American Legion, and they had a big band and a bunch of veterans that were some of them were uh, World War II, you know, Korean War. This is quite a few years ago, and we danced and it was great fun and we enjoyed it. And of course, we've gone down. I was in New Orleans, did some dancing down there and stuff. Decided we we're going to take it a little more seriously. I did what would be technically termed an East Coast swing last night. I'm exhausted, dude. You dance for an hour and a half. I, you know, it's like I didn't 
I didn't realize I was going to be, I mean, basically, I, I think I ended up going, I was looking at my uh, eye health, I think like two miles of dancing. That would add up hour and a half. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in that kind of shape, although I am light on my feet. I mean, if anyone, you look at me, you could say to yourself, boy, he looks like he just crawled out of the ground and is looking for children to eat. Or you could say light on his feet. It's one of the two. I think light on the feet. I'll go with that one. Oh, well, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah, just, I, I, yeah I'll go with that one. Uh, the other thing, and I got to tell you, the reason why, by the way, I do look like I just crawled out of the ground and looking for children to eat. I had to get my hair cut today. So what happened? Uh, remember yesterday I was talking about going to – on Monday I was talking about going to this little get-together and how the TV kind of – this corporate get-together, big turnout, big event. It was on Saturday night. A lot of people there. And it was, it was good fun, but they had the TV on watching the Packers 49ers game and how it kind of changed the dynamic of it. They didn't have that in past years. They had that, and it really kind of changed everything, and I talked about that. One of the things they did have was character draw- drawings. You know what I'm talking about? Where the guy they, t- they the guy draws your picture and it's animated, looks a little bit you know weird. They enhance some features and stuff like this. Oh, I smell a new Matt McNeil show logo. Oh no, you don't because we've oh. already thrown it out. Okay. All right, okay, I get it. You're doing this. You've had to do a lot of people, especially as the evening goes on. Some of these people are getting more and more lit. That being said, my wife and I sat down to do this picture. I get that there's going to be exaggerations. This was the worst picture I've ever seen of us. Now, I will just, as far as my wife goes, they gave her a Count Chocula chin. I don't know why. And she looked very angry in the picture, which is on brand for being my wife. But still, it was, you know, usually, I mean, it's a caricature. Why would you not put a smile on that face? How in the world do you not put a smile on that face? It's not Morticia Adams, for God's sakes. What he did to me wasn't as bad as that, but it did not look good because, for, you know, he, he barely made the top of my head much larger. And then even though I didn't have a lot of hair on the side of my head, I came out looking like a villain in a 1970s cop show, man. You know, bald hair, lots of shag on the side. I'm like, are, 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 you, are your eyes okay, dude? Uh, it was not good. I hope you took a picture of it. Not, no, we did not. Oh. It's gone. Don't even. No, no, and no one can go. I, I think we threw it out before trash came. Don't go to my house and look through the trash bin. It's gone. We'd be posting that right during the Jeff Stein interview. Oh, God, just to it make was... sure he's not focused the entire interview. <laughs> it is. Well, a... we would take your camera off and just put that on the screen. There are disturbing images, and that was a disturbing image, which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. Now, I'm going to set the scene of this because I've got to set the scene of this because this is insane. I Okay, it's the time of year you see political ads. And in this case, this is not an ad for a political campaign, but it's clearly an ad for a political campaign because it's Christy Noem. She is the governor of South Dakota and she's horrible. I mean, she is really horrible. Um, yeah, she and she's definitely trying to saunter her way into being Trump's VP pick. Absolutely, because she has no chance. There's no way. The only way, like someone like her or Marjorie Taylor Greene, could ever get a major national office is if they get dragged along, and that and that's something they know. So she's desperately trying to do this. They have put out a video that says. You know, come work for 
or is what is good. They call this in South Dakota. Now, once again, let's all just everyone in Chicago, everyone in Minneapolis, St. Paul. They're enticing us to go work in South Dakota. Hard pass. No, not going to happen. I like trees. Now, that being said, I don't blame her. It's her state. She is more than welcome to do this. And we could point out the fact that one of the reasons why they're having a hard time finding people to work in South Dakota is because it's South Dakota. You treat your workers like crap. And in particular, they're making an appeal in this ad for nurses. And it should be reminded that during the COVID, we remember the stories coming out of South Dakota of people screaming as nurses were pleading with them to talk with their family members because they were dying and they were ripping off their mask, screaming, it's a myth. And they died and people were dying in these nurses. I, I know a lot of nurses that are now in Minnesota that used to be in South Dakota because they basically said, uh-uh, no more, not going to do this out there. Not for the pay rate that they get. They don't get paid squat and they don't get written your kind of respect. And so this is part of the problem that they have. So she's basically, this is a come freedom works here. And this, the idea of the freest state in the nation is South Dakota, please. Um, and, and, and the, the ad is Christy Noem dressed as a nurse walking through an abandoned hospital which is creepy, which just tells you everything. Go South Dakota. Yes, I want to go to the hospital. It's like, hello? Is there a doctor here? Hello? My kidneys hurt. <laughs> I think that's the case. She walks around. She talks about, isn't it great? South Dakota is hiring. This sort of thing. And she's pushing a patient apparently through this. Okay, so once again, I'm, to my knowledge, Christy Noem, not a licensed nurse. She says she's loaning out, helping out her friends at the hospital by volunteering until they can get some people, they can sucker some people to come work in South Dakota. The greatest moment of this ad is the very end of the ad, which you, you, you know, of course, obviously it's a visual ad, but let me describe it for you. Christy Noem, the joke is she's got lost at this tiny South Dakota hospital and has wheeled the patient out back to the delivery uh, you know, area of the hospital and says, I guess I'm lost. I think the last thing they needed to have in that, that ad should have been like the cocking of a shotgun because let's face it, it's South Dakota healthcare. I mean, they've already determined, well, might as well just take them out back and shoot them because that's going to be the end of it. Because <laughs> It looks like that's what she's doing. We've determined we're not going to save this person because that might require some taxpayer dollars to do so. So we're just going to wheel them out back, and we're going to blast them away. So without further ado, uh, let's play the ad, if we could, and just keep in mind where the ad ends there, which you cannot see. But, uh, Brett, if you would not mind. Let's get some help in here. Stan, we've got close to 20,000 open jobs in South Dakota, including for nurses. So I'm helping out until we fill them. South Dakota is the freest state in the nation. We work hard, but we don't pay any state income tax. So you get to keep more of your own money. That should get your heart racing. (laughs) South Dakota. Freedom works here. I think I took a wrong turn. Yeah, that's it, Justin. The shooting of the patient would be the end. I mean, that really would be South Dakota. Okay, uh, let's dissect this a little bit more. You basically, a person, you're, you're so desperate for nursing staff in South Dakota 
that someone could come to the gate of a hospital and say, a volunteer, and they're going to get you into some scrubs and here's a patient, off you go. Because that was that's that's reason number one why you should not go to South Dakota. Holy God. As a matter of fact, for all the people listening in Minnesota, if you get injured in South Dakota, get back here. Just don't even just get on the interstate. As it allowed, what is it? Eighty miles an hour there. Fly. You know, try to put some pressure on the wound and get back across the border to a somewhat decent hospital where they're not just taking. Hey, I, I found this person by the vending machines. Now they're now obstetrics. You know, I I don't, I don't think that's the way you should go with it. Job qualification number one. Do you have a pulse? Uh, which, and by the way, I don't. Do you really want to get people's hearts racing in a hospital? I don't think you want to do. You suck at medicine. You suck at medicine. Now, I will say this: your your appeal here is, as you roam through a completely abandoned hospital, that no one wants to be here. Sure, we'll give you your income taxes. But we offer zero in the way of any kind of state programs and social safety nets. So you're basically screwed and on your own when it comes to all that. You're probably going to get paid less than you are going to be in, say, Chicago or Minneapolis. And then you get wheeled out to the back and, I don't know, shot I by the dumpster. You can find this on Christy Noem's social media pages because someone greenlit this. I want to repeat that because that's the most incredible thing. Somebody actually sat down and said, you know what? I got a great idea for an ad. Yeah, begging. Hey, you know, we have no culture. There isn't a lot of stuff to do. We're going to pay you crap. You're going to have zero benefits. But hey, who doesn't love South Dakota? Now, Rushmore. Hey. God. This is, I, 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 no, we're not going. We're not going. I, you know, I, I like food. I'm not going to South Dakota, man. I like heat. I, I like heat and food. I mean, I, I don't mean to be a basic guttural, and I also don't need, uh, you know, you know, Bar- Governor Barbie here to basically, uh, you know, basically try to convince me. Oh my God, you need to come here. It's so great. There's no way it's a free estate. You can die anytime you want to. You're, you make your hospitals in South Dakota look horrific. Now, I don't know how things are going in Chicago metro area, Illinois, as it is. In Minnesota, there is this interesting little trait that we've had some of the nurses' unions get undermined. There are people that are coming into town, wealthy people, who are coming into town who are incredibly anti-union because how dare you workers think you can tell us anything to do? I'm Potter. I control this town. That sort of thing. And we've had a few hospitals vote to get rid of their union because of a ton of money. And the argument is, is the union is more of a hindrance than anything else, which funny story in Minnesota, the reason why you've got the freedoms that you do and the quality of healthcare that you've got is because of the unions and the medical, the medical industry gets, you know, they, they've, they got better wages, they got benefits, 
They, you know, they, it was tough there during the pandemic. And I'm not saying they're all angels, nurses, nurses, doctors, all the goods that went through that. I haven't said this in a while, but you're all angels. Chicago doctors, nurses, you're all angels. You absolutely are. You had to go through one of the worst pandemics in the world, in the history of the world. You guys did great and you didn't deserve the crap that you got. And may you get as much money and as much benefits as you guys deserve. You sure do deserve that. And this is one of the reasons why they're having a problem in South Dakota is because they didn't appreciate their nurses. And they told them to basically get out. And so they did. And now it's like, who's going to take care of me? I I guess I'm going to get wheeled back behind the dumpsters now. (laughs) I can't believe you released this ad. But I just want to say to any of the anti-union nurses here, off you go. You know know what? Fine. Put your money where your mouth is. You don't like working in Minnesota. You don't like working for the unions. Go. No, seriously, go. South Dakota desperately needs you. Off you go. You're not going to have a union. You're probably not going to have a decent salary. You'll get you keep your income tax, but you're not going to have any government services to help you at all. Probably going to get worked a lot harder. Oh, that's right. You know this, that even in Minnesota, because the union presence is so strong here, that your job is somewhat protected in Minnesota. Henceforth, you don't want to leave. You just basically want the benefits of the union without having to pay for it. I see. Well, trust me when I say this. You, those hospitals that you're working for that are now anti-union, they're high five because they've already figured out how much they can decrease your salary and benefits and keep you around before you say, well, I'll drive 40 miles to this other hospital and work there. Nope, they've already figured that out. But if you want to, get out. Go ahead. Go to South Dakota. They're waiting for you over there. And let the door hit your ass on the way out. Take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. People reminding us what you get when you go to South Dakota. Anti-vaxxers, COVID deniers, teacher haters, gun lovers, Trumpsters. The list goes on and on. Uh, thank, uh, thank you, Spectator. I appreciate that. I've actually heard someone had told me that there's a substantial amount of people in South Dakota that actually come to Minnesota for health care. That should just tell you everything right there. But, hey, no, anti-union t- nurses in Minnesota. Off you go. Off you go. South Dakota's waiting for you. So, for God's sakes, you need to get over there. I don't want Christy Noam t- touching another patient. For God's sakes, <laughs> I'm guessing there's been tort reform there, or else she'd be getting sued. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. I'll post it on social media, or just go look for Christy Nome. Dear Lord, I cannot believe they greenlit that that ad. That just it makes South Dakota look somehow somehow worse. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Uh, I mentioned uh, when we had Congressman Paul Hodes on at the beginning of this hour, Republicans still haven't figured out an answer to abortion. And as they sit there at their rallies right now and talk about how we're going to have a nationwide ban on abortion and doing all these things, even Republicans are against these these abortion bans. And once again, the, the Democratic vote, these people that keep thinking to themselves that, oh, Joe Manchin or, or you know, that, that Dean Phillips is somehow going to lure a bunch of Democrats over. No. 
No, I'm in Dean Phillips' district. I don't know anyone in this district who 100% supports anything he's doing right now. As a matter of fact, most of the people here feel like he betrayed us. And that's, that's talking to people in his district, I have, of which I am one of them. You know, Joe Manchin is not, there's not a bunch of Democrats longingly looking at Joe Manchin, for God's sakes. You know, so they're going to try to make this, you know, there's a third party here. The reality is, is that they already know they're in big trouble because of the abortion issue still, and they do not have an answer for it. And they can't get out of their own way because during the primaries, they want to keep screaming about, oh, well, you know. Uh, we're going to restrict it. We, I don't care if they're mad. We're going to restrict it because they're red meat followers. That the, the people who are supporting Trump, they love it, but that's not even – that's barely a majority within the Republican Party. Republicans in Wisconsin, that's right, the uh, filling of the Illinois-Minnesota sandwich. Ugh. They control the Wisconsin Assembly introduced a bill last Friday that would call for the blinding statewide referendum or excuse me, a binding, binding, binding statewide referendum on whether abortion should be banned after 14 weeks of pregnancy. The GOP has scheduled a public hearing on the bill. Democratic Governor Tom Evers, uh, Tony Evers is almost certain to veto the measure. However, the proposal could still galvanize the conservative base after Democrats parlayed anger over the U.S. Supreme Court. Once again, here is another story about this where the narrative is, oh boy, galvanizing the base. For God's sakes, have you seen any of these exit polls? which say Republicans don't want to see restrictions on abortion. Galvanizing the base, the Republican Party is ripping itself apart in front of our eyes, and you guys want to sit there and act as if, oh, I have nothing to see here. Um, the, 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 the legalized abortion nationwide into a big election wins across the country. For uh, Democrats, they've been trying to keep doing this. Nowhere in that dynamic more evident than Wisconsin, where uh, the, the latest uh, state Supreme Court seat was won by a Democrat uh, announcing the campaign trail that she support, supports abortion. Her victory handed liberal justices for three majority of the court. To add to Republicans' woes, Dane County judge ruled this past summer that Wisconsin's 174-year-old ban on abortion only prohibits uh, feticide or an attempt to kill an unborn child. The ruling emboldened Planned Parenthood, which has ceased providing services in the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court decision, to resume operations in September. The case is on appeal, though, and will likely end up before the state Supreme Court. Monday's hearing is set for the same day that Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is set to visit uh, Waukesha County as part of the nationwide tour promoting reproductive rights. Another Wisconsin law bans abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy. The bill Friday would outlaw abortions after 14 weeks. So in, in Wisconsin, and by the way, and this just tells you everything you need to know about gerrymandering is the feeling that they have in Wisconsin is that they have gerrymandered the the districts enough to where that they can put this out there and still get this passed. But if it's a statewide thing, and, you know, for them, for the Republicans, I I guess they don't feel like it's, you know, it's, well, we're giving you the option. There still is the uh, 20-week ban, but we're giving you the option if you want it there. You don't want it, okay, fine, to try to make themselves look more moderate. They want to restrict your rights. I want to make sure everyone who's listening to me right now Anytime a Republican sits there and says, I'm actually more moderate on abortion, they're lying. For 50, 50 years, they screamed about getting rid of it. For 50 years, they screamed about getting rid of it and making sure there was, in many cases, no even exceptions for rape or incest or the life of the mother. And now, 
all of a sudden that this issue has blown up in their face. They are the dog that caught the car. Now, all of a sudden, I'm really, I'm really more nuanced than never. No, they're lying. They are lying because their base will not allow them to become more pro-choice. Their base demands that they are the most extreme anti-abortion zealots they possibly can be. And henceforth, whenever a Republican comes on out and says, I'm changed, they're lying. Don't mistake that. The Wisconsin bill does come with a catch, though. The proposal calls for a statewide referendum conducted during April's election, asking voters whether the 14-week prohibition would take effect. If approved, the bill would take effect the day after the results are certified. If the question is rejected, the bill would not take effect. Wisconsin law does not allow voters to place questions on the ballot. Republican lawmakers have rejected Evers' call to create a way for voters to appeal the 1849 abortion ban. Uh, Speaker Voss, who is basically the devil incarnate, would like to let voters decide whether to shrink the window for abortions on this. By the way, notice what they are trying to do. They're trying to do this way ahead of the general election. If they thought this was a winning issue, this would be on the ballot in November. And that's the truth. If Republicans in Wisconsin felt as if this was a winning issue, it would be on that ballot in Wisconsin. They're trying to deliver for their zealot base some sort of victory so that they can then spend the next six months screaming, I never wanted that to pass in the first place. And that's the Republican Party. Do not trust them. They're lying. Do not trust them. They support a man who tried to overthrow the government. That's the truth. Chicago, have a good one. Minneapolis-St. Paul, Hour 2 up next with Jeff Stein. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff. J-E-F-F. Jeff Stein is our national and presidential expert, noted author. You can find his books fantastic for Valentine's Day, by the way, uh, over at Next Chapter Books, totallyiowa.com as well. Your favorite bookseller, regardless of where they are, demand the books. Uh, the Iowa Business Report, by the way, and I still need to, that's a good one. I like that one. The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report, uh, they come to us from the mothership down in Iowa. It's KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo. Hey, Jeff, how are you today? Apparently, I can't tell time, right? I mean, no, I, I, no, I should this have been is, here a half this, hour ago. You, right? you were good. The, the emails went into my spam folder. I walk in the station. It's like, oh, yeah, we just have uh, you know the, the two interviews. We had Congressman Paul Hodes from New Hampshire uh, giving us a rundown of what happened out there. And then we have Jeff. He's like, oh, Jeff could make it then? What are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, and so it was one of those things where, you know, it's always nice to be on fire right before the show. It's always the best. And so, but no, I'm glad. Hey, anytime I can get Jeff Stein on the air, it's a good day for me. Well, you know, I sent you an email over the weekend saying, oh, hey, I have this meeting. Found that in spam. I found that in spam, by the way, as well, too. So thanks for that. I figured, I figured as much. <laughs> and, and when I didn't hear back, I thought, okay, he's going to be Mr. I'm big shot in <laughs> Chicago and Twin Cities radio host and saying, <laughs> Ah, well, you don't want to be on my show? I'm not even going to respond. And, okay, fine, whatever. He's got his nose out of joint again. It's about something. If not this, it'd be something else. So that's fine. I'm really just bad at business, man. I'm just lazy, and I just don't – I don't – I'm a slacker. That's all I am, man. 
Oh God, this, I got to do a show today. You know, <laughs> new revelation for you, or uh... almost on a daily basis, which is kind of <laughs> scary. You think I'd learned by now? Uh, I got to be. Where do I have to be? Oh my God! Uh, so uh, three o'clock, you say? Three o'clock every day. Every day. Uh, so let's talk New Hampshire because I did talk to the congressman yeah. earlier, and it was interesting getting his take. Um, okay. This is not okay. Trump wins. Great. Is Trump going to win the whole nomination? Absolutely. Just enough, just enough Republicans like him that it's going to run everyone else out. But you can't look at an 11-point win. Now, once again, DeSantis left. So those supporters went to Trump. I mean, because you and I you know, talked before. It's like the DeSantis supporters weren't going to go necessarily. Some may have, but the majority went to Trump. Sure. The reality is, is if it's if she he's basically just barely over 50 percent. And here's Nikki Haley right on his tail. You know, I don't think she's going to be in for much longer. I think she'll she'll do South Carolina and then be done with it. But the reality is, is that there this is exposing uh, uh, Iowa. We talked about this before. The fact that he wasn't a fresh faced politician, that he's technically a pseudo incumbent, basically, and he's been running for four years to only get 50 percent was a little bit of a red flag. Now you have this in New Hampshire. Once again, the news media is portraying it as, oh, the, the king has been anointed once again. But the reality is you've got some really scary signs. If you're a Republican, that this guy does not have the coattails that he had in past elections. Well, I don't think he really ever had coattails, and we've talked about that because, again, um, if he wasn't actually on the ballot, uh, you know, he, he, just because he gave an endorsement in an off year, that didn't work. Interesting stuff, though, because if you look at it, nobody has ever had a higher percentage in a contested caucus in Iowa than he did. Mm-hmm. And nobody had even been close to 50 percent. He got whatever it was, 51. Last night, nobody had ever gotten that many votes. In a Republican primary. Yeah, great turnout. And so he wins. Okay. But the, the thing you're mentioning, so so those are all those are all facts. Yes. But did you see the exit polls that showed that fifty-three percent of those who voted in the New Hampshire Republican primary were not Republicans? I, I did see that because once again, anyone independent or democrat could just go and get that there. But right. and, uh, and so so Steve Kernacki of the MSNBC was pointing it out early on. Forty-five percent of those who voted in the Republican primary were independents, mm-hmm. not Democrats. There was eight percent. Okay, so what does this tell you? The Republicans will dismiss this and say it's not really a Republican primary. And so, if it was just Republicans, he got seventy-four percent of the Republicans. Yes, that's true. But what does this tell you, Matt, about a general election? I mean, if, in fact, 74 percent of Republicans who voted yesterday voted for him, yes, ringing endorsement, just as as is being portrayed. But you have to win a general election. And when 61 percent of the independents voted for her. Woo, that's I mean, that's yeah. a warning sign. So you've got a situation where, as you quite accurately note, nobody's going to stop him for the nomination. Nope, they're just. But how does that play come November? And that's why the Biden team pivoted early on to an anti-Trump campaign strategy. They're not focusing necessarily on uh, accomplishments of the administration. They did a little of that. 
but now it's bad orange man will will eat your children and uh you know take over your home or whatever I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. Okay. Okay, do do your Trump impression saying pass the salt. Oh, I've had no ketchup. Give me the ketchup. I need the ketchup. Ketchup is better. Uh, Uh, Especially given, oh, the image of this. This is tremendous. (laughs) But, I mean, but that's why they're doing it, right? You want to win an election? Okay, be the anti-Trump. Or if they're, and Biden, by the way, is doing a very excellent job of saying when bringing up Trump in 2020, saying if Joe Biden wins, the economy is going to crash as the stock market's hitting record numbers. And, you know, it's like, you know, he's basically taking his own words against him. And Trump apparently doesn't like that. Here's the deal. You go back to this and what this underlying thing says. And and by the way, we should also note that some of these independents voted for Trump because they want Trump on the top of the ballot because they feel as he's very weak and can be beaten. That being said, if these play out, it, it matches somewhat the numbers we saw in Iowa, although a much smaller piece of the pie. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't you know, a few hundred thousand. It was, you know, about 100,000 voters. 120, yeah. 120. Mm-hmm. Right. But the numbers kind of match up. If this is really what it is, and we talked about the coattails issue, there isn't a plus five or plus seven Republican seat right now that can honestly say, oh, you're safe. Because we, we're we not even factoring in the abortion problem that they have, which is, with these exit polls, clearly a huge problem for Republicans. And, you know, if, if Trump has already lost a third of his own hardcore Republican base, where they either just don't vote or they just ignore him and vote for the rest of the Republicans, whatever the case may be, an independence and they break more towards Biden – not only is this going to be over, it's going to be a massacre by the Democrats come November. It is so up in the air. It is so difficult to try to handicap it because there are so many people who don't think Mr. Biden will be on the ballot through a variety of scenarios. It was interesting to see the, the kids at CNN last night were playing with the map. And, uh, oh, hours of fun, the touchscreen map to project the election. And I thought it was interesting because John King was saying, look, the president is wounded. He's got, he's got some issues. Well, they first put up, because if you look at the electoral map from 2020, but you use the electoral votes as of today after reapportionment and redistricting, Trump picks up seats just because of, of migration. Well, they were showing various scenarios where, you know, he doesn't have to flip that many states and the whole election turns. So what I'm while I'm pointing that out is is to say when mainstream media outlets are saying this is close, everybody better pay really close attention. I, I think that's something that's worthy of conversation, because, again, it's all turnout. Let's say a lot of Republicans are disaffected and don't show up. OK, fine. Let's say a lot of independents do. Uh, what we have seen some coverage of where they say, I hate him, I don't like him as a human being, but I don't like the current guy and I like the policies of the past, etc. That's why this head-to-head matchup is problematic for both parties, quite honestly. But I'm going to go back to what you just said about CNN, because they're leaving out two really big problems. Okay. One, one he's going to be prosecuted here for more crimes. I mean, he's already been found guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll. I mean, and the judge clarified that was rape. Technically, that was rape. He's been found guilty of that. Why the Democrats aren't putting that on billboards across the country, I don't know. 
Uh, he's going to. Well, he's, because it's a civil case. Well, but he also doing it because it's a civil case, and he could say um, a jury found him well, guilty. A jury though well, found him guilty, and that's how you say well, it. A jury found Donald Trump guilty of rape, and and that's and that's a factual okay. statement. No, no, it actually isn't from a legal standpoint. But I'll take your point that that he was found responsible for an assault. Now it's a very different thing than guilty of the criminal charge. But your point is is the same. Well, and the judge did come back. The judge, taken. the judge did come back and say technically that was an assault, that was rape. The judge himself on that case clarified well, rape that is, rape is a part of sexual assault. It is, but I mean, he it, it just he wanted to make sure because there were he himself was trying to play. It's like I didn't do anything. It was this this kind of sexual assault, and the judge the the prosecutors asked to clarify, and the judge said no. This is technically a rape charge. So this is that is that aside, you have that. Okay, I I have to say again, it's not a rape charge. That's only a criminal offense. It's a civil charge that doesn't civilly responsible. Yeah, Yeah, but I'm just I don't want anybody to take it out of context. You know, I mean, I I just want to be as straight accurate as as we can about it. But he has been found responsible for a sexual assault against her. But if we're going to be straight and accurate about this stuff, CNN left that out. CNN left out the fact that he's going to go to trial for trying to overthrow the government of the United States on January 6th. The the fact that he's about to get fined a few million dollars in New York and be told you can't do business here anymore. And Mm -hmm. in both of the states of Iowa and New Hampshire, the more legal trouble he gets in, the more less likely he's going to have certain voters. The other thing is the abortion issue. Because that has changed, and you and I have repeatedly talked about how that changed the dynamics overnight, and Republicans still cannot figure out how to get around this issue. So to bring up the 2020 map and say all he has to do is flip one or two things, he was doing better in 2020 with his own base. I mean, let's face it. He got more votes than he did the first time around, but Joe Biden got a lot more votes than he did. That being said, it's you know right now – you're not seeing a real encouraging running around. And part of this is that whole narrative of no one wants to have the Trump-Biden thing again. But the reality is, is I just – I do not see how Donald Trump is going to do better than he did in 2020 at this point because not only is he – you know, he's, he's not aging well with independents and others as we have seen in these poll out polls, uh, these uh, poll numbers mm-hmm. that are coming out uh, – exit polls. But you still have the abortion issue. You still have these criminal cases. And Fannie Willis's issues aside, you, you, you know, that Georgia one is still a nightmare. And the reality is I just I, – I can't – you do too much of this where we give him a, a setup where it makes him look better than he is. We've now just seen two states where his base is not there supporting him like they should be. And I mean, I, and we can talk about oh, great turnout in Iowa, something like this. Okay, he still won by Nikki Haley. I see more criticism of Biden annihilating Dean Phillips in a write-in campaign in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. annihilating him, and people saying there's this chasm in the Democratic Party. That was a thirty-point win for Biden, and everyone says, oh, well, Trump, there's no, there's nothing to see here with Nikki Haley. And I just, we really have a narrative right now where it is. They just want to downplay these negatives, which are there, which I am not ignoring. That is just that's just stuff that's there. Well, I, I think the, the point of, you know, playing whack-a-mole with the electoral map, that's just a fact that there were not that many votes difference in some states. And 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 this is why that's important. 
to me. Everything you say notwithstanding, I'm not arguing with it. I see people on the right who say, oh, Biden, he can't find his way off the stage and the economy is terrible. And so this is going to just be a landslide. Can't imagine why anybody would vote for, for a Democrat. And then I hear people on the left saying, well, look at Trump and everything that he did, et cetera, et cetera. I can't imagine anybody would vote for him. The problem is neither side can see or can, can possibly conceive that their own side might lose. And we are a divided nation, and it's about turnout. It's about where the independents go. It depends upon how people's pocketbooks are on October 1st. I'm just saying I don't see this as being a runaway for either side, and I hear a lot of partisans on each side who can't imagine that anybody would vote for somebody other than their chosen person. I just think Uh it's going to be really close again. That's all there is to it. But here's where I'll come back on this. Okay. The when you look at things, okay, there's this this the Hunter Biden investigation in the House. That's a joke. There's nothing there. Um, there's just nothing there. As much as Republicans want there to be something there, I'm paying attention. There's nothing there. Comer, Comer is getting torn apart by his own party by because it is it looks like a joke. Um, there is the age issue there, but he just had the UAW enforce him. And don't underestimate the economy is doing better right now, and that infrastructure bill that he passed two years ago is resonating with a lot of people when you th- see all the jobs and things that are getting done with it. That being said, this is why I brought up those two things in particular. The Republicans have not been able to. This is not opinion. The Republicans have not been able to figure out how to get around the abortion issue. That's just There's no it, question. Uh, You're uh, right. That is not opinion. And the record is O for the whole list. <laughs> basically. And then when you look at the when you look at these court cases, these exit polls of Republicans, not me, not Matt McNeil and my liberal mantra, but Republicans, hardcore base Republicans. What was that phrase again? Liberal mantra. Anyway, okay. but, but but it's Republicans on exit polls saying if he is convicted, I'm done with him. And not all of them. It still is a minority, but it's enough to basically annihilate the Republicans' chances in 2024. And the, the, that is why Ron DeSantis ran. And that is why Nikki Haley is begging people to give her money to make it through another month, because they're trying to be ready. Right. Mm -hmm. They want to be ready in case that does happen. And you are right. There are some folks who are going to dismiss any Trump conviction or judgment. Yep. Two separate things. But I have also seen some of the same because I know you're a Fox News aficionado. And and, uh, I'm told that this is what was said there. Because, again, you watch. But I, there was a woman, you know, they do their little voter voter focus groups. And, oh, yes, I'm absolutely 100 percent behind Mr. Trump. Well, what if he got convicted? Well, I'd have to look at it then. OK, how many dozens, thousands, tens of thousands of people are in that same boat? Yeah. Where it's like, OK, I can't believe that the that the justice system is so skewed that it would make that big a mistake. And then they say, oh, OK, maybe I better look at it again. You're right that as long as it's an open question on things like J6, et cetera, without an adjudication, people are going to give benefit of the doubt because they voted for him before, and it's their own reputation internally that they're trying to preserve. It's like they, they always say, if you put a bumper sticker on your car, it doesn't matter what that candidate does. You're going to hang on as long as possible 
because you don't want to have to hear about it from your neighbors who say, ah, you scrape the Stassen bumper sticker off your vehicle or or whatever. I mean, the Edwards, just, the Edwards bumper sticker. Yeah, we'll go with Edwards. Thank yeah, you. That's that's better. Yeah. The John Edwards 2004 bumper sticker. Um, that's that's really a big a big part of it is that that they don't want to admit they made a mistake. And so they're going to wait until they absolutely have to. But, and and we got to get into a break here. But I will yeah. I will say this. Just two points. One, if if Hunter Biden all of a sudden does provide fruit, that changes the dynamic. Or if all of a sudden Joe Biden does something and he looks really, really old. That will change the dynamic. But looking mm-hmm. at things right now, I see far more weakness on the Republican side, not because of my opinion on it, but because of these exit polls and the numbers we're seeing in Iowa and New Hampshire. Let's take a break. Let's come on back. Uh, I want to get into this, this misnomer, I think, that people think that Democrats are going to abandon the Democratic Party for either a Joe Manchin or a Dean Phillips. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jeff Stein joining us for his usual weekly visit. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. And by the way, if you want to hear this back again, we do re-air this on the weekend. And considering we're not constrained by the the the, the, the last hour, we basically we're gonna have more Jeff for you this weekend. More Jeff no, for you this no weekend. No one wants that. Yes, no they one do. needs that. Shockingly, dude, man. I've been here for 14 freaking years. What the hell? I can't figure that one out. <laughs> I do it, love it's doing one this of the great mysteries of life. Oh, it is. It's like, how did these large heads get to Easter Island? What's Matt still doing on the air? You know, it's it's speaking of large heads. There you go. All right. Nicely De- done. Dean Phillips gets dismantled. Um, I mean, once again, I can't remember. Can you ever remember a write-in campaign doing as well as Biden's write-in campaign in New Hampshire? And granted, incumbency. That is the, This is the power of incumbency. But still, man, I thought a lot of people thought this was going to be a lot closer. Oh, absolutely. And I'm hearing people say, oh, Phillips got 20 percent. He's one of like 15 on the ballot and the only one who spent money there. And you still got tripled up by people who had yard signs that looked like they were lettered. I mean, it was on purpose, looked like they were lettered with crayon. Yes. You know, and and keep in mind, Biden finished fifth four years ago. Fifth. Yep. So the well, yeah, idea it, was, of, it was fifth, wasn't it? I thought it was fourth yeah, for a second. Yeah. No, I think it was fifth. And wow. because it was like, oh, boy, Joe's on his last legs, and then came South Carolina, and the rest is history. But, no, I, I, I thought there would be more crossover because you had to declare that you were going to cross over by a certain date. Yeah. And everyone knew that he wouldn't be on the ballot. And, and so I'm a little surprised there wasn't more crossover. And I guess that shows you that there is a unified Democratic Party, regardless of who the nominee is, unified against bad orange man. Well, okay, and here is where let's talk about this third party stuff, this no labels thing where Manchin was out again today saying, oh, maybe I'll run there. And Dean Phillips, okay, I'm going to tell you, I've talked to Democrats every day, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single one who would jump the ship and go with Joe Manchin. I'm not I mean sure the West Virginia Democrats might go but that's not exactly going to hurt the Democratic Party nationally. Um you you've got No and the thing is it depends on what states they get on the ballot on. Yeah. We, this is something that it, you know we tend to overthink this and think oh my gosh this big national third party. No. 
it won't be national. They won't be on 50 state ballots, but will they be on enough state ballots to potentially affect the outcome? And I cannot tell you right now which way that cuts. Well, if that's pro-Trump or pro-Biden, I think that. Okay, so what I what you're seeing here, and I think this is. So let's let's bring these two things together. Like you said, what you see with the the, with uh, Phillips not doing that well. So there's not Mm -hmm. this massive crossover and going over Mm -hmm. and doing that. But what you also see is you see this kind of this lingering, you know, unappetizing element within the Republican Party for Trump himself. I honestly think these no-label parties, they're basically just Republican, too. It's the moderate Republicans. Let's be honest. Joe Manchin 30 years ago would have been a moderate Republican. And you look at, you look, you look at what this is, is I think that there's a miscalculation by these guys that are going to say, we're going to bring all the independents and we're going to bring all these moderate Democrats in. And I said, no, no, I think that what you're really only going to do, you might get a few independents, maybe half, maybe. But I think where you're really going to get this is it's moderate Republicans who look at Trump and so are so disgusted by that that they're desperately looking for something without either A, not voting or B, going with Biden. And so that's there. I, I just I don't see how this this hurts the Democrats more than it hurts the Republicans if there is this no labels middle of the road party, because once again, I don't unless you got a real Democrat like a Gretchen Whitmer or something like that who jumped and ran in no labels. I don't see how in the world this this is going to resonate with anyone but moderate Republicans. Well, or how is it going to resonate with anyone? Yeah, And, and the reason I say that is because the system is skewed toward two parties. And those who identify with a party are more inclined to show up. If independents are turned off by a candidate, they may sit home or they may vote for the other candidate. But it doesn't mean they're going to say, Oh, look, a shiny new party with the name No Labels, which, as I recall, they said, we will not enter the race if we think it may affect the outcome and favor one candidate or another. Just by definition, Matthew, that is the stupidest statement that I have heard. And I say stupid things oh, every day. You know, listen, we've had four or five this last hour, so easily enough. Easily. easily. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole point of getting in is to win the election or take votes away from somebody. How can you say, well, we won't get get in if it looks like it's going to favor one side or another? Shut up. Either get in, don't get in, but stop wasting our time. And there, I've heard some people talk about the fact that these people that are behind the No Labels Party have already made it clear they do not want a Democrat on the top of the ticket. They can have a Democrat as the vice president, but they don't want the, they want the, the top of the ticket either being a independent that resonates with Republicans or a moderate Republican. And I think that if you've gotten to that point, I think it kind of gives up the ghost. And now I'm not that's that's not definitive. I haven't you know I can't see that haven't seen that covered, but I've heard some from some rumors. That one of the reasons why they even were out there what, two weeks ago talking about how they could have a ticket would be a Republican and an independent and why that'd be good for Democrats. I think they were trying to float that idea out there earlier. And the people yeah. I know that know this a little bit better say that, yeah, they're, they're pretty much committed to a Republican being on the top of the ticket. Well, for the same reason, they, they were floating ideas that Trump would appoint a vice presidential nominee that was unpredictable uh, and it'd sort of be the unity party. This is not 1864 with yeah. Lincoln picking Johnson. And didn't okay. go, that didn't go very well for Lincoln's ideals either. Clearly not. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I, I just uh, I, I don't I don't know. I, I have no appetite for a repeat of 2020 just simply because it's like, uh, OK, uh, let's just. But that's what we're going to have. Frankly, uh-huh. if I had to put money on it, 
that's what we're going to have a repeat. I was like I, I've said this before, and now this does get a little political. I'll be I'll I'll take this one. On one side, you have Joe Biden, who's the Arby's beef and cheddar. And on the other side is an actual crap sandwich in Donald Trump. And they've see now Trump's whole thing is he's got to convince you that the crap sandwich is somehow better than the Arby's beef and cheddar. So get ready for eight months of this, man. I made my way through college with the Arby's beef and cheddar. Ar- it was across the street from the radio station. I have a soft spot in my heart for the beef and cheddar. Do not ever say anything bad about the beef and cheddar. The fact they got rid of the potato triangles, man. The potato triangles were the best side dish in any fast food restaurant in this country. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? Some stupid focus group said, go with something that will appeal to moderates and look where we got. Damn you, Obama. All right. (laughs) Jeff Stein is exceptional. The Iowa Politics Report. I'll get that posted up here a little bit later on. We'll replay this this weekend. We'll have it up on the SoundCloud for the... the, the, Yes, we'll do it. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Jeff Stein, he's a better man than me. Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate the time, my friend. That was a low bar, but I'll I'll meet it. Okay. <laughs> Limbo. <laughs> Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So I gotta. I'm going to preface this by saying what I have said every time something like this happens. I mean, are, are two things. I want to say two things here first. The way that the Republican Party has written the laws in this state when it comes to police officers firing their weapons is that basically, as long as they say, "I was scared," "I was so scared." They basically can murder anyone they want. And I have made the point. I said you could, you know, it is feasible to imagine a cop being in a bar off duty, drunk as a skunk, saying, I'm going to cut cut and shit. And they go out to their car, drive home drunk, go get their gun, drive drunk back to the bar, get into the bar and shoot the person. And as long as at the end of the day, they say, well, I was really going to go along with it, but then I got scared. Technically, they might be. There's a legit chance they would not serve any time. It is. It is. This is the way that these laws have been written. It is. We have almost given absolute power. That's why when you do see a a a case like Derek Chauvin or a Potter up in uh, Brooklyn Center, um, that that you you do see, you know, some justice handed out. You, it is. It's kind of one of those things which are kind of remarkable because. You really have to have a pretty much an a, almost an airtight case against somebody to be able to get a conviction. The second thing I want to mention is this. For all you clown cars out there who basically sit there and say, well, Derek Chauvin was innocent. We've got video of him murdering him in the street. Nine and a half minutes of it. He has been convicted. He is he is guilty. If you sit there and you try to say, is it, then your your point is moot because you just don't live in freaking reality. You're so biased and broken that you can't possibly look at something in any kind of neutral light. So shut up and just go away. I'm looking at you. 
You know who, you know. <laughs> okay, that being said. Hennepin County Attorney, uh, uh, so I don't think there's, I, I just, I, when I read this story, I, I have zero doubt. I I'm, I'm really have zero doubt that this guy's going to get found guilty of anything. Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty has charged a Minnesota state trooper with three criminal counts, including the murder for last summer's fatal shooting of motorist Ricky Cobb II following a traffic stop. Moriarty announced the decision Wednesday to charge trooper Ryan Londrigan uh, with second-degree unintentional murder, first-degree assault, and second-degree manslaughter in the July 31st shooting of Cobb 33 of Plymouth in North Minneapolis after he was pulled over at about 2 a.m. on Interstate 94 for driving without taillights. During the stop, troopers attempted to remove Cobb from the vehicle after learning he'd been accused of violating a standing domestic order for protection out of Ramsey County. The charges more come more than four months after the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension handed over its investigation to Moriarty. As with all Minnesota law enforcement officers, state troopers may only use deadly force when it is necessary to protect a person from a specified identified threat of great bodily harm or death with reasonable likely to occur. Moriarty has said in a news conference that did not exist in this case. Ricky Cobb II should be alive today. Now, what their defense is going to be is, well, Ricky Cobb could have gotten a nuke and he he could have killed us all. Thank God they were there to stop him because that's kind of how this crap goes. And, well, he drove off. Basically, he was shot. (laughs) You know, like I said, they shot him. And, you know, they could have, you know, he could have just driven away. They, they basically could have followed him, got him arrested on another day. Didn't happen. They shot him because it seems like they just didn't want to chase him down. And like I said, there is anything more, more in my mind, just personally dishonest than the scene of the cop basically saying, stay with me when the, after he's crashed, after he's dying and he's pretty much dead. Them, the guys that shot him, basically trying to say, you, you know, you know, you know, don't die. Come on, man. You don't want him to die. That weapon should have never gone off. And I'm, I'm sure, just like with Potter, it's like he could have taken that car and driven into a bunch of school kids at two o'clock in the morning. Thank God they shot him. You know, that's going to be the argument. I mean, that's just kind of how this crap goes nowadays. I don't like I said I I mean I I think there should be some justice I just the way the laws are written in the state it's kind of like when when the drunk driver hit me it's just I'd like to see a, you know a little bit of prison time I don't the guy doesn't need to go to jail for the rest of his life but you know a few months for basically nearly killing someone with a car sure the the, the way the laws are written that's not what happens that's why you get people who are 16 17 18 time DWI I mean it's just there's there's no teeth to any of these laws and so, you know, that's this is the other side of it is that just, you know, in this case, it's the laws are written to basically prevent anyone from ever being held accountable. Or if they are held accountable, it's got to be almost an airtight case. A critical component of the work of the Minnesota State Patrol is engaging with drivers during motor vehicle stops. This is something that state troopers do every day. And as a result, they receive extensive training on how to do it safely and effectively. Trooper Londrigan did not follow his training, Moriarty said. These charges are appropriate based on the thorough investigation conducted by the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and attorneys in our office. The matter is now an active criminal criminal prosecution because this matter is now an active criminal prosecution and because we take the right to a fair trial seriously. We'll have no further comment at this time. 
Squad and body camera videos showed three troopers attempting to order Cobb out of the vehicle. He resisted instructions and repeatedly questioned why he was being detained. Less than a minute later, troopers forced the doors open. Now, at no point did the troopers explain why he was being detained. It should be noted. They just said, get out of the car! Londrigan was partly inside Cobb's car when he drew and fired his handgun. Cobb's car lurched forward, knocking down Londrigan and another trooper, Brett Seide, C-D-S-E-I-D-E. A third trooper identified by the BCA as Garrett Erickson was also on the scene. The BCA made it clear that Cobb was not holding a gun at the time of the shooting. A firearm was recovered from the floor behind the center council of Cobb's vehicle. So there was no immediate threat to the officer in regards to a gun. The Ramsey County Sheriff's Office had issued a 72-hour request to agencies to pick up and hold Cobb for questioning. The alleged violation grants officers probable cause to detain Cobb and order his protection that was filed by the mother of Cobb's young children, relatives have said. Moriarty met with Cobb's family to alert them to receiving the case in September and told them he was committed to a fair decision-making process. I've kind of thought a little bit about the, the mother of Cobb's young children and filing this case, and I'm not saying that she doesn't have a reason to file the case, but you file the case because you want you know to be presumed safe then you get informed, oh, well, they, they were trying to you know, do this, and he's been shot and he's dead. I, 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 I'm kind of imagining that's not exactly how – you wonder how you build a lack of trust within the minority communities in regards to police. And here is a person that does this, you know, you know files the report – Ramsey County's Sheriff's Office had, you know, issues the request for agencies to pick up and hold cop for questioning. The system is supposed to be working. You get a state trooper that basically pulls the gun and starts firing the guy at the car in the car. And I got, you know, at this point, then the question that comes in is, if you are in a similar situation, do you go to Ramsey County? Do you go to Hennepin County? Do you want to file the paperwork? Because, you know, I might not be happy with this individual, but I don't want the father of my children to be dead sort of thing. Londrigan's attorney, Chris Madel, Madel, M-A-D-E-L, criticized Moriarty for meeting with Cobb's family because he said it only undermines the due process rights of his client and the integrity of the investigation. In a statement issued after the charges were announced, Madel, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, he said, this county attorney has provided sweetheart deals to murderers and kidnappers, and now today she charges a hero. This county attorney is literally out of control. Open season on law enforcement must end, and it's going to end with this case. Uh, open season after your guy shot Ricky Cobb. Okay, fine. Now, hey, it, 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 you know we can we can provide for you plenty of tape from this show where I have been bluntly critical of the Hennepin County Attorney, and frankly. I don't know if, like I said, I don't think I've seen enough in this case under the state law that basically tells me they're going to get a conviction. I don't. Because once again, the ways the laws are written, all he has to do is come out there and say, I was scared. And basically, that's the end of the discussion. When they shot the guy, remember they went to use the, the, the warrant, they was the guy, the guy was sleeping on the couch. Who was that? Do you remember that off the top of your head? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. See if you can find that really quick. But they did that. That was the argument. Was, I was scared, so I had to shoot first. 
it's not the first time this has been used. And in that case, they basically said, yeah, there's not much they can do. Even though they were not supposed to use no-knock warrant, even though you know they went guns a-blazing, even though the guy was supposed to be there. And, you know. Oh, it was Amir Locke. Thank you. Thank you, Amir Locke. Thank you. Uh, Cobb's family called for Londrigan to be fired and criminally charged. They are also planning to file a civil lawsuit after retaining civil rights attorneys Bakari, Sellers, Harry Daniels, and F. Clayton Tyler. Uh, can Medell say that this, okay, if, if, if they win the civil trial against the city for his client's actions, will his client pay that bill? Or will he look and say, nope, taxpayers, bail us out again? Is that what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, if you are so convinced this is right, well, why don't you pay the civil penalty? Why do the taxpayers of the state, I, I'm going to presume it's going to be a state because it's state patrol, why should we have to bail this out? Because I'm going to say they're going to, I think they're going to have a fairly, fairly easy case in the civil court. That's, I, I think that that's what it's going to be. The legal team has blasted the state patrol for those refusing to recopy the BCA's investigation that spanned roughly seven weeks, saying the employees were sheltering Londrigan. Londrigan has less than two years of law enforcement experience. He became a trooper trainee in February 22, 2021. He was appointed 20, uh, October 22, 2021, according to the public employee files provided from the Minnesota Department of Public Safety. Anytime a use of force incident ends with the loss of life, it is tragic. Ricky Cobb the second's death is no different. This is a sad situation for everyone involved. We acknowledge the deep loss felt by Mr. Cobb's family and friends. We also recognize the gravity of the situation for the state patrol and our troopers asked with making difficult split-second decisions. Langer, who is the um, Colonel Matt Langer, the chief of the Minnesota State Patrol. In accordance with the trooper's labor contract, Trooper Ryan Londrigan will remain on paid leave while the investigation by the Department of Public Safety's Internal Affairs Division is compiled, or excuse me, completed. That is, investigation has been begun and will inform employee decisions. Can I give, I, I, can I, I, I'm going to give, a, you know, a, you know, Colonel Langer, I, I, you've taken the right tone here. I, I, will, I do appreciate that. Cases of law enforcement in Minnesota fatally shooting motorists or civilians are varying timelines of investigations and charging decisions. In 2018, former Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman announced he would not charge two Minneapolis police officers in the shooting death of Thurman Blevins. Freeman's swift decision was made in about a month. In 2017, BCA turned over the investigation to Freeman in September regarding the killing of Justine Demond by a Minneapolis police officer. Freeman convened a grand jury and didn't announce charges against Noor until that March, uh, until March. In 2016, the BCA investigated the fatal shooting of black motorist Philando Castillo for three months. It took Ramsey County Attorney John Choi uh, 50 days to make the charging decision. Cobb's killing reignited concerns among some critics on whether the BCA is capable of conducting a truly independent inquiry into a fellow state agency. This is tragic. It's not a video game, dude. That's a gun. I, 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 I remember the first few days I went through weapons training when I was in the Army and how they basically very strongly suggested, this is not a freaking video game. If you don't understand the damage that this thing can do, that even if you accidentally shoot somebody, that their lives are traumatically changed forever. You... you, you just say you don't hit a femoral artery or you don't hit the heart. You just you just hit them in the side. Well, what anything that's in there is gone. 
you should not pull that weapon unless you have to. And frankly, this this, this patrol officer did not have to. And because the gun was fired, the gun was pulled, the gun got fired. Because the gun got fired, Ricky Cobb is dead. I just do not, I mean, I look at this case and I look at the video, I just do not see how, with the way the laws are written, if that's the defense. I was scared. I don't know how else you go there. I mean, he'll have to explain why the gun was pulled in the first place. Because you shouldn't be pulling a gun unless you intend on firing it. And if that's what you were doing, well, then it is on you. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So I got to do a bit of a rebuttal here in regards to... Okay, so what? sometimes you can see the machine working. And yesterday and two days ago, uh, Pete Stauber, for some reason, decided to be stupid and basically, at best, imply – he clearly – I think he is lying. He lied basically about helping to bring in the funding for the Blatnick Bridge when he voted against the bill that produced the funding. And he's been trying to make the argument, well, I was advocating for it even though I voted against it, and so I should get some sort of, I guess, partial credit. And all of a sudden, instantly, and I do mean instantly, where you see this is on freaking Twitter. It's on Twitter. It's not on any of the other social media pages. It's on Twitter. All of a sudden, I'll have five completely random people all of a sudden telling the same exact talking point. Pete Stauber didn't lie. You're just, you just, you just don't like the truth. Okay. So let's go back in time. I'm going to read a quote here. From Pete Stauber, uh, at the time that he voted against the infrastructure bill that went to build the Blatnick Bridge. Okay? All right. Here's, this is from one Congressman Pete Stubby Stauber. I will not be complicit in paving a destructive and irreversible path towards socialism. This massive spending package is not about real infrastructure and instead will make businesses less competitive, outsource jobs, saddle American families and future generations with more debt and higher taxes, send inflation soaring to greater heights and completely devastate our economy. Make no mistake, vote for this infrastructure package is a vote for the reckless multi-trillion dollar tax and spend spree. That's why I voted no. But now, let's call him Comrade Stauber. Because now he loves socialism. <laughs> it sucks, Stubby, when I'm going to have your, all your words thrown against you. Let's break down this little thing. This is, once again, this is his harumph, 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 when basically he voted against the infrastructure bill. Uh, it's not about real infrastructure. Um, the Blatnick Bridge is not a real bridge. That's cool. It's a mythical bridge. Does it go to Asgard? Oh, I'd love to see Thor. It'll make businesses less competitive. Okay, so you're saying building the Blatnick Bridge makes businesses less competitive? I don't disagree with that. It will outsource jobs. No, those are going to be a lot of American jobs there. 
Saddle American families and future generations with more debt and higher taxes. Funny story. You remember when you voted for uh, Trump's tax? Did you support or did he vote? I mean, I think he just might have supported the Trump era tax cuts. Talk about adding deficit and raising everyone's taxes. If you want to get upset, you need to start looking in the mirror first. Uh, Sending inflation soaring. Actually, no, it's come down dramatically thanks to Joe Biden and completely devastate our economy. Did the stock market hit another record high today? Do we I don't know? think it was a record uh, low. Okay, okay. <laughs> destroying in the economy, uh, dude. Your own statements say you were one thousand percent against this bill. You now basically acting like you you're for it because you just want to be in the group picture. Stop it, man! Stop it, Stubby. You you the Blatnik Bridge got built because the people around you didn't listen to you just be quiet and just go away stubby native roots radio is up next we'll be back tomorrow have a good one till then see ya